Welcome to the Louis Talks podcast, where I do what I do best, talk and chat to people. So this morning, I've got on the podcast with me Melody Hassani. Melody and I met about eight years ago with a mutual friend, Ketan Makwana. She was doing a talk for him at a conference, and I was just so inspired by Melody's story. And we had a common interest in social enterprise with my business chocolate business I was donating 10% of profits and many other things that we were doing with conservation charities all the way back to 2006 and so Melody has this incredible story she was born in Persia in Iran in the Gulf War and emigrated as a war immigrant to Sweden and then later to Britain and she has had an incredible history She was on The Apprentice and uh, we dive into lots of things on the podcast around her story, what she did, some of the things that she overcame. But most importantly, this podcast is about understanding yourself better so you can actually be more successful and be happier in the world. And that will not only impact you as an individual, but if you own a business allowing your staff to feel purpose, to understand themselves at a deeper level, will actually yield results for you because happy people are more productive. And so that's what this podcast is all about, really delving into that idea of how happy people can generate more results, more success, and of course, from a business perspective, actually grow and succeed better. So please enjoy this amazing conversation with Melody Hassani. Morning, Melody. Well, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. And, Thank you so um, much for having yeah, me. No worries at all. So obviously, just want to get stuck in um, and tell everyone a little bit about what you do and um, your journey so far. Okay. Oh, that's a big question. What I do and my journey. That's basically my whole, that's everything then. <laughs> so um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure having this chat. I know you you and I have crossed paths over the years many a times, but here we are and I'm, I'm happy to be doing this. So first of all, yeah, so I'm um, the founder and um, CEO of Inspire Engage International. It's a social enterprise with a portfolio in over 100 different countries. And what we do is people development. We believe that the magic lies in investing in people, being happier, having a better mindset within themselves, coupled with the practical skills of being able to achieve and also to give back. So we're very much about that social impact at the end of it, but we think that everything starts with developing human potential. So we actually call ourselves human investor. I'm a very proud human investor. And you know, it just, you know this, you know, in the age of the technological takeover, we are now heading towards the fourth industrial revolution. Technology will be so, so big. And I think that the thing that we will be starving for is human skills, human intuition, emotional intelligence. And so this is uh, what we are now training people to really maximize on. Um, So we run different training programs. Um, One of them for young people, you know, we see a lot now this theme of Uh, mental health in a lot of educational institutions is such a big issue. We have built in streams around 
mental resilience and mental well-being um, in our mindset and life skills boot camp. So we're going in training young people to really feel good um, and to and it's a personal journey, you know, about really developing the right approach within yourself. And this isn't a one size fits all situation. We are just there to support them to find that journey themselves. Um, and we're training them as well to develop the practical skills to be able to do something with that new mindset. But I also think corporates are part of that journey. So we're doing something called the human investor, um, you know, masterclasses and programs for corporates, um, for individuals to take a moment to take the professional hat off and to think, what is my purpose? And this purpose agenda, I think, is really, really big within the corporate sector and then to connect that back to their roles so we're not getting lost in this kind of hamster wheel. And I think that makes people more productive and it makes businesses work better as well as individuals being happier, which I think is just good for any bottom line. And, um, and so, yeah, so this is kind of what we really believe in and that's what we do. I'm also a professional speaker doing speaking tours around these topic and about the future of work as well as coaching one-to-one uh, individuals um, from all over the world, which I absolutely love because it allows me to go a little bit deeper into understanding people's personal journeys. So that's a little bit about what I do. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah, I think it's such a hot topic. I mean, it has been for years, but I think even more so now. Um, I recently had Tamsin Fox Davies on the podcast from the Agile Business Consortium. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, we were talking a lot about this. And from their point of view, agile or agility in business has obviously changed over the years it, it means technology and software and all of these things but actually they're saying the number one thing that they're saying agility within business now is for corporates is company culture and employee engagement and I think it's so fascinating because from my perspective you know obviously I do a lot of work around brand but brand is your people so it's sort of everything up from exactly. from your people and then everything else comes up above that so I think it is such a crucial thing that we understand that because I still work with quite a lot of old fashioned, let's say, businesses who mm. still don't quite get that connection. They're still working very much in the way of sort of them and us. You know, there's this very mm. distinct relationship between the management team and upper management and the staff. Mm. And mm -hmm. you really see this divide. And, and then obviously you look at new businesses. I mean, obviously... Um, I'm from kind of around the Birmingham area and we've got businesses like Gymshark and, uh, you know, Monzo from London and many, many other big organisations that are really putting it at the very forefront of this is who we are and this is how we're going to grow our business. So mm -hmm. from your point of view, um, I guess, what are some of the things that businesses can do to be aware and how do you start to work with a business to help them understand mm -hmm. how to create that human investment? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you and I, because, you know, we have to be invited in, in order to have that impact. And if the businesses are inviting us in, it means that they at least partly get that. So how do we reach the businesses who are not taking the moment to to really do that? And it's good because a lot of the big businesses are understanding that it's absolutely crucial. If you just look at the statistics, if we look at the data, you know, the World Economic Forum has released some really powerful narrative around how important it is to the survival of businesses um, that they look at 
you know, emotional intelligence, that they look at investing in their in their human brand and their, um, you know, purpose. This this word purpose is really important on a personal level for each individual, whatever level that they're working at. So to, you know, give you an example. So I was invited in and we've done quite a few training programs for New York Times um, in their uh, Paris office or in their London offices. And, you know, we were invited in to do something for their female staff. So we went in and did, and I decided to do this human investor program for them. And afterwards, it was really interesting because it was once we delivered it that they really, really appreciated how important it is that they give their, their teams a moment to take their professional hat off in their professional role to think about who they are and what they want and connect that to what they do on a daily basis in their offices and how much more productive it makes them. So sometimes it just comes to full light once that occurs, you know. And I think, you know, we this isn't about us championing individuals and saying, you know, the business isn't important. It's about connecting all of that. You know, if we are working for the business, for the company, then we have to connect it back to the company vision. And it, and it just all comes together. But it starts and ends with people. And that is really why I we, we call it human investment because you know we are we believe that the success of a business the success of individuals success of the social impact as well that we can create because you're more likely to give back you're more likely to give back to your colleagues you're more likely to give to your community if you feel nourished on on the inside and then that has a huge impact on every level so I think we are, we want to continue um, really pushing for companies and businesses to do things like this, like the human investor programs, like the so many things out there that are fantastic that that give these businesses an opportunity for them really to because there's a huge gap, isn't there? There's a huge gap, and there's it's going to be an even bigger gap as we go into this fourth industrial revolution, of um, particularly management level being really ready with the right skills, these human skills that we're talking about, to be able to meet the future needs once this technological absolute takeover comes in. We, you know, we do need, people can't operate like robots anymore. They need to be tapping into these very human qualities like complex problem solving and, you know, these various things that we've touched on, particularly around emotional intelligence is, is such a, a, you know, important factor. Yeah, it, it's so true. And I think that, like you said, there is that challenge because, you you know, you get the the Gymshark type businesses and the Monzos and, and these organizations that have really put it at the very forefront of what they do. But I actually see that quite a lot of SMEs particularly are lacking, which to me is crazy because they actually are far more agile than the bigger businesses. You know, right. I did employee engagement, although I had no idea what that meant when we were doing it but it was little things like this you know my staff and I used to eat breakfast together every morning and on Fridays you know we'd bring in you know a proper cooked breakfast or pastries or something and we'd sit and talk and we used to do flexi hours and all the things that to me it was just kind of being a human right people have got right. kids I own the business, I want to be flexible. If I want them to work hard for me, I'm going to treat them like I would want to be treated. So 
from an SME perspective, you can implement that in, in 10 minutes. You could call the staff up for a meeting and say, right, guys, this is what we're going to do. Let's have a roundtable discussion. But it's, I think it's quite challenging that a lot of those SMEs are not quite there yet. They're not quite understanding. For them, it's the sort of old-fashioned, what's the ROI on that? You know, if I'm going to spend all this money on my staff, what am I going to get in return? And if they don't see something immediately the next day, um, some of them won't do it. And I think that's the challenge, isn't it? Because it is a long-term process. You know, if if you want to nourish staff, it it has to be over a long-term. And you might not see a result in the first week or the first couple of days. But as time goes on, that person is going to come out of themselves. And they're really Mm going to start to be a fantastic asset to that business, which ultimately will yield an ROI but it just might yeah. take a bit of time. So, I mean, look, the, the change is coming. Whether people are prepared or not, it is coming. And the world is changing. Whatever we do, it, it, it's coming. So I think the question here is, are people going to be ready in time for them to be able to maintain the sustained growth that they would like to, as well as have the social impact that they'd like to? That's the question. And I guess, we, we, you know, and doing it the right way as well, because, you know, in the time of transition, we all know things get dead hectic and people can get lost in that process and they might lose a lot of talent and therefore it hits them on a, on a financial kind of level as well. So I guess that's the way. And I mean, organizations like Inspire Engage and the fantastic work you're doing and you're such a role model for that what you've just said i think is so commendable and i think that's important as well is celebrating organizations who are doing well and you know and helping that but i think i think i'm excited about the future um and how business is 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 heading but um all we can do the organizations who are there to support that process and saying you know let us come in and work with your teams to allow time for them to all we can do is be there and have the expertise to be able to provide it. And I think it just, you know, I think the change is coming and we just have to kind of see what happens. But whether they like it or not, things will be changing. So uh, so let's hope that it looks good on the other side of it. Very true. Very true. And I think um, I keep over quoting them probably, but I've said this to many people recently that Gymshark in their office have got a big sign on saying evolve or die. And I think, that, yeah. that, you know, that's somewhat is what's going to happen that yeah. you're either, like you said, you're either going to be prepared or you're not. And if you're not prepared, right. you're going to have problems. And, and the biggest one I, I see is keeping younger staff, you exactly. know, keeping young talent. Because I think they... retention of <clears throat> talent is major. And I think if you look at the kind of the trends of how long people stay in, I mean, Deloitte published some really interesting data that correlated the amount of time someone stays in their role um, with how much purpose they feel that they're exercising within that role. So the more purpose they felt, the longer they were staying in that role. And obviously retention of talent is, you know, really important because if you don't retain talent, then you're, it's, it's costing companies so much money to, for recruitment and retraining and everything. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting uh, thing to navigate through, um, but um, you know we're here and and we want to support that as much as we can. And it's not just for business growth. It isn't just here to say, look, we want to support businesses to grow and to you know make more money and whatever. It's just to ensure that you know that businesses are successful, that people are valued, that they are continuing to have more social impact because they are able to take care of their, you know, bottom line and so forth. So it's all of these things are connected, I think. So 
you know, and that's really important for us as a social enterprise is to always remember that social impact. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, and that's an interesting thing that's, you can see with the age of social, with the age of the internet, with the new generations, this social impact piece in business is now becoming so prominent and it's so good to see it mm. because I yeah, think isn't it? When, when I started doing stuff and I'm sure like you, um, we went palm oil free and we were the first product on any supermarket shelf. We were donating 10% of all of our profits to animal conservation charities back in 2006. So well back then the market wasn't quite ready and I remember not naming any names but I remember sitting in front of a big supermarket buyer and them literally saying no one cares to me so I think it is so great to see that so many businesses now and it's not anymore just a CSR routine which we've all seen exactly. before oh it's changed so much and that's because it's consumer-led it's because we are now seeing consumers want to buy something with a narrative. If something's on the shelf and it, you know, it might be even a little bit more expensive, the same price, they will choose the product that has the social impact, that has a story. So I think that, you know, that's really, I think, so key. The business are understanding they want to be consumer led and we need to continue that as consumers to support that you know that movement absolutely because you know you see the 10 trees of the world the four ocean you know all these companies which <clears throat> before social probably would not have been able to do what they've done and you just look at the businesses and I think I'm always saying to people that I work with you know okay they've got a successful business they've got a great team they've got obviously all of the trappings that come with that but just look at what they've done for the world. So I think this idea of you can create success and abundance and, and live well, and, and we all want that, you know, at, at sort of a deeper level, we all want to live better and whether it's better food or, or whatever that might look like for yeah. us personally, but you can do it in a way that not only doesn't damage the world, but improves it for the next generation. Um, so I think it's it's such an exciting world to be in right now to look at, businesses and I'm I say to every client I work with that I am always pushing them towards some kind of social impact or some kind of sustainability or something because I just think it's like it why would you not that that's I know Lou and it's just and it's you know although I'm very very excited and I share your absolute uh you know um reflection on how far we have come. I mean, when I was on The Apprentice, they said to me, what do you want your title to be? You know, because, you know, when you're on the screen, it comes up at the bottom like Melody Hosseini and then a title. And I thought about it and I said, social entrepreneur, this was back in 2010. And I said, social entrepreneur. And the producer laughed at me and said, Melody, you can't have that. And I said, why can't I have that? And he said, because people think that you're an entrepreneur who goes out a lot or that you're on Facebook a lot. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I think now we have come such a long, long way. And that is really fantastic. But it's, the world is also, and I say this with regret, that I have this realization because I'm such a positive person. At the same time, the world is uglier than ever. And, you know, as a mother of two very young children, I, I am a little bit worried about the world that I'm sending them into by the time they are old enough to go on their way because I'm just so worried with and I'm hoping that it's a cycle that we will come back again to you know a more unified kind of approach but at the moment I think I feel like there's it's breeding a lot of hostility a lot of hatred I think this whole Brexit you know ugliness uh, of a journey that we've been on um, has 
is a reflection on some of these issues that are bubbling in our societies. And as an ex-refugee, a, a war, you know, refugee, an immigrant in this country, um, someone of uh, obviously of uh, colour, I feel like, you know, I feel that on a personal level. And yet I'm someone who has is very confident. I've achieved, you know, my own kind of status in some way so imagine what people feel um, and that's a problem you know these social issues and this is just one of a few social issues and environmental issues as a whole other you know uh, we need it more than ever and I think we can't rest on celebrating how far we've come too much because there is so much yet to be done um, and I think that as change makers as thought leaders as social entrepreneurs we need to really remember that and try and um, and and it's not just us driving forward and obviously i feel as as do you um, a sense of personal responsibility but it's about also equipping others to get on that journey too and the more that we can train people to tap into their purpose develop their skills to be able to go on that journey themselves and, and spread that the better you know it is yeah it's very true and I think that there is a sense of almost a kind of separation you know you, you've got this audience that is getting a lot bigger that is interested in sustainability and and all of this stuff and some of the videos that I used to watch on YouTube about these kind of issues you know back when I first watched them had sort of a couple of thousand views they're now well into the millions so you think okay, it's it's sort of coming and and it's exciting yeah. and brands like Four Ocean and Tentry and many others are paving that way. But there is a real separation, like you said. And, and you know, I, I'm always trying to remain positive like you and sort of focus on the positivity. But I also think that part of the issue is us as a human race not quite realising that we're all one big organism. That actually it is up to all of us because we all live on the same planet Therefore, we all have the same responsibility. And I think that it's the human race. And I hope that, like you said, it is this big cycle process. But the human race has sort of got to a point where every other animal and ecosystem on the planet lives in balance mm. with its ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, Humans unbalance those ecosystems. And so I think it's really about understanding how we do that. Um, and sometimes actually it's, you know, less is more. And, it, and it's like sort of our agricultural processes and all of these different elements. I think yeah. it's about all of us saying, you know, one person can't change the world, but it's it's about us all banding together. Um, I mean, I, I saw a really good good quote recently on, on some packaging and, and it said, nothing changes if nobody changes. You know, and and I think it's that Absolutely. idea that even if it's in such a small way, you collect way... quotes, don't you? <laughs> you do, but you're so right. And, it, and you know, and what you've just said, uh, you know, nothing changes, nobody changes, comes back to what I was saying is that it starts with people. The magic lies in mobilizing a sense of purpose and skills and mindset and everything in people. You know, and I think, you know, I, th I talked about this in my, sorry to, uh, you know, interrupt you a little bit there, but I think it connects to what you're saying. I think that, you know, in my TEDx talk, I was talking about that one of the greatest threats facing us, and this is a few years ago now, is autopilot thinking. If we are all just like 
subconsciously almost just floating along not thinking like like you ask someone what are you doing what you do well I just kind of fell into it you know I just you know I don't know and then and then they're almost surprised by the question you know as if they've never really stopped to consider why are you doing what you're doing and who are you like who really are you as a person what do you want and they find these questions really difficult to even uh, really think about. And, and I see them as very key fundamental things that each person should address. So I think that, you know, when we talk about change and people can nod their heads and go, yeah, it's so important. And yeah, but what does it really mean? Like, and how do you do that? And the, what I've understood after, you know, how many years, 20 years of being in people development and change making is that it comes down to individuals asking themselves their identity, personal brand, their purpose, coupled with skills to create change and understanding the social issues and the impact that each individual can have around. I think, and it's very important for us to break it down like that because people can nod their heads and feel inspired but then they come back to their desks or the you know whatever and go home and think but how how do i do that and that's how is we need to break it down to these questions for individuals because everyone is important everyone has i mean my uh, just turned five-year-old was saying to me the other day He's, oh, he asks me some very big questions and I'm already lost for answers already at this age. But, you know, he was asking me, do I have power? Who has power? And, and where does greed come from? Like, why do countries have greed? And, you know, and I'm saying to him that you have power, I have power. And I'm explaining this concept of how each individual is making choices on a daily basis. And these are all connected to what you think of yourself and who you feel you are. So whether you've established that or not and asked these questions or not, you are operating from that place. It's very important for each individual to go to that place and define these. And the sooner we do that, the sooner you will know what to do with it and the more impact you will have. And everyone is important. Whether, whether you are a change maker, you're on a glo global st you know, stage like Greta Thunberg, who's such an inspiration, or whether you are a regular person going about and you, know, you impact just a few people around you, it is all important and the sooner we establish people's identities their purpose coupled with their skills as i say the better of an impact we can all have absolutely and and i think that's that self-awareness piece isn't it that so many people don't have that self-awareness and even i've got a, a friend of mine who i've been mentoring for about the last seven or eight months now and his mom is a psychologist and so he's grown up in a in a very open household with a lot of self-awareness. However, he's only now just realized after coming out of uni and sort of going into the working world and starting his own business, he's now realized that actually the thing, the self that I thought I knew actually wasn't it. It was all of this cloaking that I picked up from friends and family and ideas about myself that I thought were true. But now after sort of peeling back those layers, like you said, those deep questions, I now need to go on a, on a discovery to go and actually, who am I and what do I actually want to do? And, and, you know, and the thing is, and I don't know whether this is true for your friends that you're mentoring, but I think it doesn't stop at, you know, once you've figured it out, you're done for life. Obviously, you, as you go through different stages, you know, you might 
at the beginning of when you started your business, you might have answered those questions if they were true then. But then once you'd had like this journey or once you become a mother, for example, you know, once you become a parent, it's such a life changing thing. And, you know, your work and everything kind of changes. You need to ask them again. It's, a, it's an ongoing process and a dialogue you have with yourself. And that's the most important dialogue you will have because you can't pour from an empty cup. I always say that, I mean, I train people, I coach people and I always say, take time to invest in yourself. And that's why I called my coaching invest in yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. The more you work on yourself, happier on the inside, the more you can give to others. And, and it's absolutely fundamental. Yeah, so true. Um, and so, Melody, how did you find your purpose? Um, was there anything in particular? Was there any systems you used? What 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 was what did that process look like? Do you know, it, it, you know, it, every person's journey to their purpose and the choices we make is very, very personal. And mine is rooted very much at the beginning of my life. That impacted on my choices, um, you know, in my teen, in my teenage years. So, you know, obviously where I've come from and I looked around and I saw very talented Iranians because I was, I was born in Iran during the Gulf War and I looked around and I thought there are so many talented people that are starving for opportunities, that are starving for, you know, being able to grow and to be who they want to be. And, and they didn't have those opportunities. And yet here I was, and I, you know, people were begging me to come along to meetings and come along to, you know, youth opportunities and begging me, they were advertising it on TV. And I was thinking, why are people not doing it? Like I used to go along to every little thing that was presented, even at lunchtime at year eight. I remember they were like, who wants to come at lunchtime to create a food and hygiene poster for a local business? I was the only person who I used to say yes to everything. And I couldn't get my head around the concept that people didn't want opportunities. I just couldn't get it. And I think that taking opportunities and then coupled with the notion that just going to school and coming home wasn't enough for me. I felt I wanted to give, give back more. And I think that that's true of a lot of immigrants and refugees. Contradictory to the media perception, they give back. They are very grateful and thankful and they want to give back. So I wanted to give back and I felt at the time when I was 13 years old, and I was being bullied in school. I, school years were absolute hell for me, capital H-E-L-L. -L. I used to cry most days just wishing I was 18 to just get, get out of it. So I was yearning for something to do and to give. And, and I think giving back heals your soul. So if you're ever going through something difficult to give back, it just makes you feel good. It releases hormones in your body that heals your soul. So when I was going through this difficult time, instead of retreating and letting it affect me, and I decided to find something that to give back. And so I became co-founder of UK Youth Parliament and I became so passionate about that. And I felt that why are decision makers making these decisions for children and young people when they are not in educate? They are not experiencing today. And so young people needed to be involved. Just like if you're making decisions for refugees, it, 
it would be good if someone went and spoke to a refugee or invited refugees to have a voice. Just like in Brexit, it was an immigration debate, and yet I did not see one immigrant or refugee invited on the news and all these panels and all the debates to say something about the issue that we were all basically discussing all the time. It's, it's ludicrous to me. In fact, I was invited to Sky News, and then when they found out that I don't have a right to vote because I'm not a British citizen, I'm a Swedish citizen, they, they disinvited me because I couldn't vote in Brexit. But I felt like that's exactly what was needed is people's voices who are being discussed to be involved. So at the age of 13, I decided we needed to change that, not just me, along with some incredible people who were involved that made UK Youth Parliament happen. And whilst my friends used to, on a Saturday, used to go chill in town and, you know, do whatever, I used to sit in House of Parliament and discuss, you know, words that I didn't even understand because English was my third language and I was really scared. It was really scary and uh, to be able to sit, you know, sit there. And But I understood the purpose and that awoke something in me that made me want to volunteer for 11 years and then once I did my law degree I had a place automatically at Oxford Institute of Legal Practice but I asked them to hold my place for a year and then I changed my whole career because I thought if I've done this for 11 years and I love it then why shouldn't I do this as a career so I did and that purpose that started in that dark time has continued till today and even after the apprentice you know you are offered a lot of opportunities as many things I could have done to make more money for example but I love what I do I feel I'm good at what I do I feel like the things that I went through you know the things that I saw and experienced makes me suited to understand people and to empathize with people's journeys, the people who I want to support and help. And I think that is so vitally important for social entrepreneurs because the social the mission must come before everything else. And if you're not built like that, then maybe go into something different and call it that. Because I think it's infiltrating into the social sector a little bit in a negative way uh, sometimes. But that's kind of where my journey started and and you know and it's still continuing and i'm still growing and trying to understand the new uh you know social emissions and and the the causes that we need to address now because the world is changing so it's a constantly evolving evolving thing and also as a mother also as many roles that i'm beginning to have now makes me want to be more passionate and and support those sectors and and groups as well yeah, incredible melody. I, th I think, as you said, that purpose that has followed you all the way through that calling that you have shaped. And, and I'm sure that although it was shaped in that in that very, very early time of your life, and, and like you said, that pretty dark time, um, I mean, I, I went through nothing to, to the extent of you, but you know, I was really badly bullied at school and, and it pushed me out of the education system. So I think you carry with you those those parts that then do become part of that mission. What do you mean it pushed you out of the education system? Well, what did you do? So I, th I think, I mean, I, I left school when I was 11. Um, did you? I, <clears throat> yes. Were you homeschooled? I was, yeah. So oh, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, short-term memory loss syndrome, ADHD and autism. 
Um, so wow. a pretty pretty big list of, of things. You are such a role model, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's Thank so you. incredible that you, that you know, not that it surprises me, not to be condescending, but I think it's so valuably important to highlight people like you or even like me, because society places people in a box, you know, and, and they put labels on and they make it almost, make us almost forced to believe that something is impossible. And I always say it's so important to sometimes be delusional to what you can't do, because if you believed everything the world told you you couldn't do, you just wouldn't get out. I would, I'm a woman, I'm a, you know, ex-war refugee, I'm an immigrant, I'm a many of things in these, uh, you know, circles, you know, I came from free school dinners type, you know, I, I, I would have been in so many of these boxes, you know. So I think it's, um, I think it's fantastic what you've done, and it needs, you know, such a role model. I think it's fantastic for us to defy these kind of barriers that sometimes are placed. Thank on you, us. and and I think that's, I I love sort of sharing that, and sometimes I just find that for me it was naivety. I think I was lucky because I left school at such a young age. Some of that that I see. And you probably see it a lot, you know, when you talk to schools, you ask early school kids what they want to do. They'll tell you, you know, I want to be a doctor, an astronaut, a, a you know, veterinarian, a zoologist. When they get to the teens, that all sort of goes away. And so there's like a layer of this social conditioning, I think, that comes in. Yes. And, and because I then escaped that, I was super naive and ended up doing things that, like you said, I never would have done. Had I actually sat down and thought, hold on a minute. I was in my teens. I was, I mean, I, I supplied to obviously Waitrose at 13, Sainsbury's 14, Selfridges 15. But had I actually thought about that and gone, hold on a minute, I'm 13. Should I appro approach Waitrose? Like, probably not. But because I just disregarded all of that. And I think it is right that then now I was sitting at um, a conference recently. I was doing a presentation at, and it was the Transatlantic Chamber of Commerce uh, conference. And uh, there was a lot of, you know, Brexit talk and, and everyone was sort of panicking about the whole situation. And, and I just said, I agree, but I also think that there is a huge world out there of opportunity. And I sold to, um, to the USA at the age of 17. So, like, if I can do it, you can. But you just, as you said, it's that sort of fear and self-doubt and the social conditioning that often yeah. stops people. They're, they're thinking about all of the reasons why it's not going to happen before they've even tried. And so then, well, it definitely isn't going to happen if, if that's your attitude. No. And, and it's, a, it's a hard thing, I understand, and I was lucky not to have that. And so I think there's a lot of unpicking that needs to be done for people. But part of that, like you said, that sort of naivety and, and just that, that passion to reach out and say, well, I won't know yeah. unless I try. You know, and... but, the, but you know, we, we talk about our journey, and I mean, that was your, you know, route to like you were protected from that, as was I, because until the age of 13, I'd been going through the education system in Sweden. So, the, the British education system, having experienced both, for example, and also being of Persian origin, so I've got that as well, is very much about conforming it's very much about everyone being the same and not rocking the boat um and you know and not you know confronting people that's it, it's very british to kind of 
be polite and keep things, you know, and everybody should kind of fit in. And, you know, there is, and I think this is changing, but the point I'm making, and it has its pros and cons, by the way, every culture has its pros and cons, but the education system needs to change. That's the whole other theme that I think, you know, for people like us, I mean, we've worked with 98 educational institutions that we've gone and done our training in, for example, and, you know, and that it is not fit for purpose anymore, considering where we're going. We need to take a much more individual approach to people's journeys and promote people being different, you know, and I think it's such a danger in, uh, like I read recently that Tetris taught me that if you uh, fit in, you disappear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love it you know and it's just you know it makes you that's think cool. like that is cool you know mm. and I know you know what I hate is those looks in school like you know when someone speaks up and I used to get this a lot which is why I'm so allergic to it now is and, and if I see it in any of my trainings or speeches I do pick up on it kindly just to remind people is when someone's speaking and they say something different or with energy people go they exchange these glasses like and then people have to be reeled in and then dull down their passion, dull down their enthusiasm, dull down their uniqueness. No, no, no. And that, I think, is so sad. Um, And I think we should be all about um, saying to people, look, there are many different ways to succeed, and you've got to find your path. Who are you? Think about that. And I'll come back to that again, because for me, identity and purpose is the fundamental thing. So, um, you know, the education system, I think at the moment we need there's a lot of work to be done in that sector as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that from the personal development, but also from some neurological diversity and there's so many different elements to that, that like you said, we're all so different and we all have such unique needs. So to think that we can just kind of force people through the same mold and everyone Mm -hmm. will come out the other side with exactly the same experience um it's it is yeah it is you said a good word the conditioning that's exactly what's kind of what it what it is and i mean as a as a mother of two children and whose son has just started school i'm so worried that all my hard work in his building his confidence and his individuality is going to be knocked out of him. And I'm, oh, I'm going to do my best to stop that from happening. But he's just one person. I'm thinking about all these millions of young people that are kind of going into it and these looks that are happening that's making them stop and try and be like other people. And I really hope that doesn't happen, you know. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, this is quite a general question, but if somebody's watching this and they're feeling some of what we're talking about yeah. and they're they're wondering how to get more in touch with themselves or understand themselves or self-awareness, what would be some of your tips for starting that process? So, first of all, two, two things. One thing is from a personal perspective in terms of what I did, and then the second one is from a professional perspective of, you know, what I would advise. Firstly, from a personal perspective, when I was in that situation, as I said, I found something else to put my energy into. Find something. There's so many things. Volunteer. Go. You know, if, if, if the situation you're in and you can't do anything about it is toxic then find somewhere where your good energy can flourish you know find things to volunteer give back there's so many things just go on google and search for it and get involved don't retreat and give up don't let it affect your schoolwork don't let it affect your 
everything else. Don't let it eat you up inside. There are so much better days to come. Go and find something to do. Let that nourish your soul. And at school, um, I remember I, when I first got there, the first year of school, I tried to please people. I tried to fit in. I tried everything. I even went out and, you know, and, and watched them all get drunk and I stood there smiling. Then I went home and I had a resolve and I thought, I'd rather not have any friends and be alone than be something I am not. And I learned that lesson. I made a decision a year eight when I was 14 years old and I've never, ever veered off that decision till this day. So sometimes it's okay to not fit in. It's okay to be lonely. You're not gonna be lonely forever. Focus on what you're doing. Let your schoolwork be the best you can be because there's better days to come. The world is a big place. There's so many things going on. Find something to do. So for survival, for people who are very much struggling, that's, that is a survival thing right there. Professionally, I think sit down, we do something called My Passport. You can get it on my website, melodyhasaini.com. There's many other tools out there. Get a blank piece of paper, put your name at the top, and four things about yourself. One is your passion. What do you love doing? What would you get up on a Sunday and do for free with a smile on your face? That is your passion. What do you love? What do you talk about? You start smiling. Put that down. You might have five. You might have one. You might have none. Just an idea. Even just asking yourself the question starts a process. The second thing, what are your strengths? In a room full of people, what are you better than average at? Put that down. List as many as you can. Don't be afraid. Don't hold yourself back. Be proud and put those things down. Um, thirdly, your motto. What do you believe in? So when the winds are changing and you're being pulled in every direction, trying to fit in, what is your belief? What grounds you? Put that down. And then uh, fourthly, what is your defining moment? Like what's happened in your life that's really impacted on you as a person or weighs on your decisions? There's also many other things. I mean, when we do the workshop, we look at other things like values and so forth. You know, the, the list can grow longer. But define that for yourself and then make decisions that are in line with who you are. And I think then you'll be happier and more likely to go in the direction that's meant for you. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. I think I think it is. It's start it's a good with start. yeah, it is, and start with the simple, right? And I think that's that's what it is. Is just sometimes, like you said, asking those questions as a very sort of base point that will mm -hmm. lead to other things. And like you said, you're you're never going to figure it out all at once. You know, it took me and that's okay. Yeah, it took me ten years in business to figure out that I'd spent ten years doing something that I thought was me that actually wasn't. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I think this is it. It's... But it may have been you then. It Correct. may have been Correct. you 10 Ab years ago. Absolutely. And you needed that as a stepping stone for what you do now. Correct. And that's the thing is like, we don't need to have it all figured out once. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's okay for people to be confused again and not question the past. Like, for example, so, you know, I'm now also uh, last year was reconsidering things again. But it doesn't mean the last 20 years have been confusion no i was doing exactly what i should have been doing 20 years ago but i'm a new person and growing now so it's an involving thing and we have to cast our slack and not feel too pressured you know in the age of social media as well the pressure is bigger than ever yeah. everyone's got it all figured out it appears and of course we don't <laughs> you know we're always soul searching we're always asking ourselves we, everyone has insecurities everyone has you know things we're growing and we're happy with and some days we're not and that is normal as well. Don't think we've everyone's got to figure out but you. Don't think everyone's loved but you. Don't think everyone's beautiful but you. 
it's an up and down situation behind the scenes and cut yourself slack and and be resilient now i'm i'm also going to be a little bit hard now and say the world is not going to knock on your door and say here's life on a platter you need to go out there and make opportunities for yourself and it's your responsibility it's no one's responsibility but you it's not your mom and dad it's not schools it's not the government it's not anyone but yours and i think that that's another thing i'm i'm sometimes a little bit hard hit in reality when i do my speaking and things just to say you know it all comes down to you and what you do and the outcome will be a reflection on how much effort you put in today and that you know if you if you want to chill and lay back and say i'm not bothered then don't also be bothered by the you know the results you're creating and and you know and that's a reality as well you know i had to go out there and pave my way and work really hard and put in the hours and put in the time and i sacrificed a lot during the years to be able to get the good out of what i was doing and the impact that i was looking for so that's a reality as well you got to be be there and put it in and go and have conversations and make things happen if you want to you know want it to happen so it's a reality it's so true so true and i'm i'm the same i i'm probably yeah quite hard especially on younger generations i think um, because yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, there's there's that whole piece of understanding and the the work that needs to go in. But then yeah, it does come down to you. It is like if you want to make something happen, what you get out of it is what you put in. And like you said, I mean, I I have got friends that have good jobs and they're very happy and they're very content in what they do and they do a certain amount of hours and and actually they have a lot of flexibility. But but it then means that financially they're restricted in doing certain things so like this is it it's all about what what do you want out of that situation if you do want abundance and things and a successful business or whatever it might be you're going to have to go out and make it happen you're going to have like you said you're going to have to put in the hours because that's ultimately Mm -hmm. what it comes down to um Mm -hmm. but i think that's why it's so important to learn your passion because actually yes it's so cliche but when you when you work for your passion it doesn't feel like work and you could be sending an email at 10 o'clock at night or wake up in the morning and because you're genuinely excited about the thing that you're doing it doesn't yeah. feel too much like work. This is it. It's like, oh, I've got some work to do on Saturday. That's fine because I love what I do. And I think yeah. that is such an important thing. And coming back to what we first started talking about, I think that's a problem within companies. People, a lot of the time, don't love what they do in their yeah. work life. And it's such a big proportion of our lives, especially when you work for somebody else. It's you know it's the majority of your life is spent in that place so my god you should enjoy what you're doing because otherwise you you just kind of you know like a lot of people you're just living for that weekend you know I'm very active on social media particularly on Instagram and I get a lot of messages from people particularly women and they are saying that you know I um I don't love what I do. I want to have more purpose. I want to make a difference. I want to this and that, you know, and they're, you know, listing all these things they're unhappy about. And sometimes I write back and I say, what do you want? And they don't have an answer. And, you know, and that's okay. But if you don't know what you want, then don't be upset that you're not getting it because it starts with knowing what you want. You know, you have to know what you want and what you want comes after who you are. 
who is first. It's like um, I wrote a, an article for Forbes and Huffington Post, actually, around this theme that we ask young people, what do you want to be when you grow up? But we don't ask them, who do you want to be? Who do you want to develop into the person? And the what we do is less important. I mean, it, it may change five times in our lifetime, 20 times for some people. But the who you fundamentally are does not change. Everything stems from that. And that is the vital question we should be asking young people is, who do you want to be? And the what comes after that. And you'll make better decisions about the what once you know the who. So I'm a real believer that that's where it all starts. Yes, it's so true. And I think that, as you said, in, in the modern world, with the social conditioning that we pick up with, uh, you know, and, and let's face it, a lot of the world, we've, we've all got our little hang-ups and insecurities and all these different layers. And, and now whether it's you unpicking that yourself and reaching out and, uh, you know, having fantastic coaches like you, Melody, or, or whatever that process looks like, I think that there is a process to, to that. And, and it, yeah. it might not be such a popular opinion, but I actually think a huge amount of people in the world would benefit from counselling. You know, and, and, and yeah. there is a real taboo around that whole mental health piece. And, and it's the barriers are being broken down more as we go on. But, yeah, I, but I think that it's it's a very normal thing. You know, we've all got little things and issues and things that we picked up from our parents or friends or experiences from our youth. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think, as you said, it's it, I really feel like with social media it is dangerous to see so much it's the showreel of people's lives without yes. all of the imperfections and so actually yeah. it's saying we need more people to be more honest and go i have a lot of bad days you know because we all do right thing yeah. goes wrong somebody doesn't pay you you have an argument you, like yeah, whatever yeah. that might be yeah but like it, it's all human it's all do okay you think, recently i've been hearing a lot about people who've been saying you know social media and it and it is you're absolutely right but i'm just kind of thinking now like people have been saying social media isn't real you know like we like people need to show more of it like as a mother and i post a lot about my kids and whatever um people are like well do, do they ever cry like do you ever have any problems i'm like of course they do. They have tantrums. We have bad days. There's like days when I'm like, oh my God, I was such a terrible mom. There's some days I want to give myself an award, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, but when they're having their tantrums or, you know, I'm screaming my head off, I don't grab my phone and do a selfie. I mean, that just no, would be unnatural no, no, because I'm no. dealing with the situation. So it True. would be strange of people to expect me to capture the worst days because that's not when I'm on my phone. It's when I'm dealing with it or I'm, you know, trying to console my child or trying to pick them off the supermarket ground or whatever, you know? So it's like, and that's just a small example. Sure, so and sure, all, sure. same as if I'm looking ugly, for example, and I'm thinking, oh Jesus, you know, today is not a good day. Maybe that's not the day I take a picture and I put it on social. So should we be expecting social media to show us the ugly side? Or should we perhaps in the age of fact that we can't avoid social media, actually say we need to work on our own mental resilience and our own thinking to understand and accept that we have to work on ourselves and our thinking to be mentally resilient in the face of 
such a use of social media, perhaps. And I'm not taking the responsibility away, especially from influencers who've got, you know, millions of followers and saying that, you know, they don't have a responsibility. But I think ultimately, I am always about personal responsibility. And I think that, you know, we are trying to navigate this whole journey through social media, which is a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, for us to say, actually, you know what, this is how it is. And I can't expect people to show the ugly side every day and all the time because it's just unnatural in a way. I mean, I try to be very honest and real about my down days as well as I've, I've done. In fact, people write to me a lot saying that I do do that. But um, but yeah, I think we have to accept that as well. Do you know what I mean? And I, it just I, occurred to me now. I, I absolutely agree. And I think, like you said, it... Nobody is going to pick up the phone in the middle of an argument and put it on exactly. and, ah, <laughs> no. you know, scream. But, you know. but I think it is if if more people start talking about this and say, look, listen, you know, social media is a tool that generally highlights the best parts. But I it's also have down. Shot. Yeah, I also have down days and I'm happy to talk about that element and I think break down some of these mental health barriers where I think you know a lot of people that I talk to that have got uh, you know openly and outwardly uh, realizing that they have mental health issues it, however it might be as the slightest bit of social anxiety or something all the way up to bigger elements of mental health if I think if just if more people talk about it and say look it's it's okay you're human like it's you know it's not yes. all perfect and we all have issues and bad days and confidence and whatever it might be I think just yeah. that is it helps to nurture people to think oh thank god I don't have to be perfect every single day yeah um, and maybe agreed. when I am having a really good day I am going to go on social media and I am going to post some stuff because I feel really empowered and maybe the next day I've just had a massive argument I'm probably not going to and like you yeah. said that that's the same for all of us but we shouldn't fall into the trap and taking pleasure in people's miseries either no. because I think no. sometimes you know the people who look like they've really got it together yeah um and then when they have a really bad day I don't want to become that person that thinks oh, I'm so happy you're having a bad day because yeah. that makes me feel better about myself yeah, sure. and this is all part of us working on our own psyche yeah. In, t yeah. in being happy if people have got it together well done mate good for you absolutely because I know that it's reality that you don't have it together all the time I have absolutely. to remind myself and mm. not take pleasure in the person having an awful day or looking like crap because that makes me feel better because if you fall into that trap then you've got insecurities and that's not a good thing. Ab so we have to work on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And I think that, and I, I don't want to seem as Britain bashing here because I'm, I'm a Brit, was born here, but sure. that is a little bit of a problem in Britain. That I Personally, I have seen that there is, you know, even in our humour, in our films, there is that kind of sense of we kind of take a little bit of pleasure in, in people's pain or, you know, they're having a bit of a crap day. And, and so we're sort of like, oh, this is quite fun to watch. And yet other countries, you know, and I spent quite a lot of time in Canada last year. They are so happy for yeah. other people's success. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's something that we need to, like you said, it comes from us because the only reason you'd ever take pleasure in somebody else's bad day or whatever, like you said, is, is your own insecurities. Exactly. If you actually feel really good about yourself, you're only going to want your friends and family and people that you know to succeed and you want to support them in exactly. whatever, even if it's just, if they've got a business, you buy a product to theirs, even if 
you know you might not want it or give it away to a friend or something but it's that it's that community aspect that I think Uh, we need to get back. And I share that observation what you've just said having worked internationally and I think that even even on The Apprentice it was like people have to excuse their success or if you are talented you have to quickly follow it up with oh, but I'm so rubbish at something else. Or, you know, oh, I can do this. Oh, I don't know if I'm making any sense. So we quickly put ourselves down because if we do say we are great at something and we own it, something that Americans are quite good at, actually, amidst the other things that perhaps they need to work on, um, (laughs) is the fact that they do own their successes and their strengths. And we can't sit around excusing what we're good at because that's so counterproductive and you know so i think that we're getting better at it but um there was a long time particularly i really got hit with that when i was on the apprentice because i'd been brought up in a culture where if you're good at something you said you're good at but what i wasn't doing i wasn't relying on other people's weaknesses to make me look good So I wasn't saying this person's awful at this. So in an indirect way, I'm saying I'm good at it. Instead, I was saying I'm good at this. Not that other people are bad at it. So so I think it's important for us to own what we're good at and for society to tell us, yeah, well done. Great. Do you know what I mean? And clap and say, great. You know, own it and be good about it and feel good about it. What's wrong with that? You know, so I think that's part of it. And that eradicates those looks can't take that that very true so i think you know we need to be changing some of that as well is to and the first step is to just obviously acknowledge that that happens sometimes you know yeah definitely and i think ultimately you can choose the world that you look at you can look towards the good or you can look towards the bad and it is your choice you know and emotionally it is genuinely your choice how you react to other people or situations you know if if your happiness is dependent on situations for from other people your happiness is not in your own control and that's right. a very dangerous thing it's like yes you have to own your own happiness regardless Absolutely. of other people regardless of situations but it takes time to build it you know and, and yeah. i understand that but ultimately that that is it isn't it you've got to own more of that internal happiness and internal confidence and then you are going to go out into the world and say well done that's incredible wow yeah. what a great business you've got uh, can i support yeah. you is there anything i can do so yeah um i so agree any parting thoughts melody any advice or um ways that people can get in touch with you Oh, yeah. Parting advice on ways to get in touch. I think um, parting advice, I don't think I want to necessarily give advice, just that, you know, I hope that um, the world becomes kinder and kinder. I think kindness is an understated concept and so is happiness. Um, And I think people need to invest in themselves, invest in what makes them happy um, and then please give back think about people just even around you you know even if you're at the library overhearing a conversation which was a story that happened to me happens to me many times just know that what you do matters the decisions you make matters you can impact someone else's life and that will help you as well and there is nothing more important than that and 
I just hope that whether people are in business or not, or they're young or old or whatever, that we understand the power we have in creating a kinder world and community. Uh, Ways to get in touch with me, uh, you know, social media is a great way for me. I share a lot about these kind of ways of thinking and journey and everything on social media. It's particularly on Instagram, Melody underscore Hussaini. Um, check out MelodyHussaini.com for the programs that we run. If I can help, I'd be very happy to have a conversation with me and see what we can do. Um, and my email address is Melody at InspiringGage.com. So, there you go. Short of giving you my address and my bank details, that is how to find me. <laughs> so yeah, no, but I, I'm, I'm always happy to hear from people and anything I can do to support, I'm, I'm there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Melody, for coming on and having this conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of echo every everything you say, and I think it, it's so nice that I'm reaching out and talking to a lot of people that, that say these kind of things. And just as a parting remark from me, there's a fantastic guy called Steve Edge, who's a, a design and sort of branding consultant. He's, he's written a couple of books, which I'm sure you would enjoy as well. They're very short. Yeah. They're dyslexic friendly, but he's got a quote in the back of the book. And it's, uh, we are all but angels, but with one wing, we need each other to fly. And very so it's, 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 you know, it's that sort of Lovely. sense of we are all in this together business or personal like you said if you have a chance to impact somebody else's life in the positive wouldn't you want somebody to do it in return and, and that's Absolutely. all it's about so yeah. um yeah thank you so much for coming on and thank I hope... you so much no worries I really appreciate it I really enjoyed it yeah good and I hope good that talking. um those listening out there or watching on YouTube uh you know enjoy the conversation take some value and if anyone has anything to add about these themes that we've so spoken about that are so important to me, uh, I'd love to hear it. So, so yeah, come find me and talk to me. Brilliant. Thanks, Melody. Thank you, Larry. Thanks.